we have some enlightenment time and I'm going to begin with a lovely Sadhguru quote and also a little note on um, this study that I saw yesterday, I think it was, on apologizing and uh, the importance of it, the value of it. And this was a psychologist lady, I think, I forget her name, always through the big think or the well, and they have done studies with children. So um, first, our lovely sad guru, my blessings my blessing is, may your dreams not come true because your expectations arise from a limited perception of life. May you live beyond your dreams. And it's funny because I was explaining in one of the episodes that I scratched how 5D mystics in the Enlightenment Soul Age group know why some people move into Enlightenment Soul Age group and why others don't. And I've tried to explain this before, but most individuals don't recognize that when they're dealing with life and they're choosing to talk about law of attraction manifestation or when they look at the miracles, so when there have been energy transformations where a person who's a healer, I think some do call themselves that, gets to perform a miracle. But it's, again, we're all energy. So the, this is the part of... What I know as a Reiki practitioner is that it's the healer who transcends the mind, but it's also the person who's receiving the healing that believes in it. So the part of testing it out, I haven't personally because of realizing, again, every person has a journey. And the reality is some of us, we're spontaneously connected to this field of consciousness. We have more that we want to do than something like that. And some people instead, their journey and relationship with consciousness is only going to be in those other soul age groups, spirituality, soul age group, the uh, relationship or societal soul age group. And so they'll belong to groups and they'll have things manifest specifically. I have seen this take place. And their focus is honed in on the story. So they're disregarding the areas within themselves that they could bring to light because they're too busy bringing it to light on others, if you will. And in fact, they're completely not available to their own body and mind and heart in a way of expansion of consciousness because they're busy with their mouths talking about what other people are doing or not doing for them what life is doing or not doing for them, and that's where they don't recognize the adaptive child who has a story, who's trying to prove they're right, who's trying to control their environment. Control is because the brain is afraid of the environment. By the way, it's not something you can't be aware of. If you blame someone, it's your fault, or, hey, I'm going to shame you, or you should feel guilty, or it's their fault. Again, my fault, their fault, shame, blame, fault, revenge. This is a little uh, cycle called your own suffering and you in your temporal junction living the past over and over and over again, but it's led by your implicit memory, that brainstem. It holds all of our own implicit memory until you're handling your reptilian autonomous nervous system fight flight freeze your primal nervous system by using your newer parasympathetic nervous system which is the ventral vagal nervous system this is the new branch that we got to get when we became mammals we're all mammals i know some people think some are reptilians no we're all we're all mammals so 
it's something very clear and if you begin to be mindful you begin to pause your own mind in a second it's not about you not thinking it's you pausing the mind looking at the charge state calming your body down calming yourself down why because you're engaging with other why would i want to be all pissy why am i going to start complaining about life or you know because this is where there's also that um unbridled self-expression or the retaliation let me hurt you because you hurt me people justify spitefulness i've seen it done as a teenager with people doing it i saw it done as an adult to this day then they withdraw and the withdrawal is nothing more than an adult withdrawing and then coming back around once they can calm down that's great and you know we actually the enlightenment soul age group are always welcoming our loved ones like my attachment style friend made very very happy that they wrote me and that I get to be in their life, especially with what's taken place. And uh, the part about how others who suffer, common friends, aren't able to prioritize loved ones because they do care, but they only care in a specific way. And um, that's because of that laser focus Compassion is only present for themselves, but it's in a way of suffering, and that's why it's not full compassion in the sense of you in your third eye, your prefrontal cortex, because if you were in that, then you'd be able to be aware of where you are not actually expanding your view. Now, this is not good or bad. It's just some people are able to be at ease with life because we know that life is this chance we have to share with our loved ones moments so we don't hold things against each other and this is where the second share on apologies is where i was watching this video this psychology lady how apologies save relationships her name's amrisha baish and i forget her title but the study is with children and they look at how um relationships move forward with the individuals that in these uh, little tests they do apologize so they have two adults and two adults rip this drawing that these kids do i don't remember how many are the samples but the kids all prefer the person who shows some remorse and they seek out that person and even when they put them in like different groups, so one is a green group, one is a pink group, okay, the children will tend to pick the group, their green group adult, if both adults apologize, which is where a confirmation bias for your group is important to note. So you can disengage from this emotional bias on your own if you start to be aware that okay, I know that I prefer the group that I feel I fit in, but this feeling may basically saying I emotionally am going to be inclined to think more positively, and the neuroscience people have shown this is what happens. So you get a boost of oxytocin or something like that when you are with your group because you're welcomed and you're loved, and that's really your ventral vagal vagus nervous system engage because you felt safe with them before you relate to each other you talk to each other so you know that you're welcome the other group is an out group your older autonomous nervous system the reptilian is on 
And because people then create the stereotypes that they live by, and then they just start saying, oh, I'm from this group, and they don't really pay attention again to their feelings, they're not doing anything. So when people, which most of their life, don't pay attention to their feelings, it's just because they think they can't. I mean, I've gotten these words, yeah, you can't work with your emotions. Yeah, actually you can. Now I have proof, but I'm not going to go around saying that to people in their face that told me something different. I'm just going to say something like, uh, your brainstem. <laughs> I, I don't know, actually. And usually, no, I don't say much unless they're in a state of seeking that type of conversation. I'll explain it, though, if I'm having a chit-chat, which is where it's funny because we all have different interests. And apparently some people get bored about hearing of the different types of uh, information that our lovely community has when it comes to topics of personal growth, inner growth, becoming more adult-like. Some people, they actually prefer societal topics, so history, and they look into the details. This is where I'm going to say those are, to me, predominantly left-brainers still, and their absorption of material is them enriching themselves with the past, so they just enjoy creating a connection with the past, and that's fascinating because most of my loved ones have that type of interest. I don't, so <laughs> we find ourselves sometimes teasing about these topics, but back to the study. When the children have a person from the outside group apologize, they will pick that person. So apologies, share something specific. Uh, these individuals show their humanity, recognize that these children are humans like them. Okay, So there's a recognition of humanity, and there's a recognition that they will treat them well. So somehow, these, up till five years old, I think that's the age, so uh, they will pick the person who apologizes because... It allows them to note this person recognizes my humanity and they will treat me well. Regardless of what group they are in, the children will pick the person who acknowledges, I'm sorry about the painting. It was an accident. doesn't mean they're begging for forgiveness or something. They're just saying, wow, I, oh, I'm so sorry. It ripped. So here's where what they continue to say in this short video is that uh, when you apologize, you're also acknowledging that the relationship with the individual is valuable to you. And this is the part of why repair is only going to take place when people value each other. And even if you're different, it doesn't matter. You still value each other and want to be you know, in each other's lives. Now, this is the part where the adaptive children, they're not interested, again, in repairing because they have wounded children, and this is not children. Now we're talking about adults. So when I see a person who's in shame, guilt, fear, or anger, I'm broken or they're broken. It's my fault. It's their fault. I can't. They can't. It's unfair because the world's unfair. God's unfair. God doesn't exist. Evil exists. Love doesn't exist. All these things. And the part about spite, manipulation, gaslighting, all the words that people use to actually cancel each other, the 4D with their energy vampires, karmics. Every single person that I see who does anything remotely like that, uh, or even here, this is interesting. I don't regret my past. I just regret the time I've wasted with the wrong people. 
So the last time I even bothered thinking about this as a teenager, the whole thing of, oh, I wasted my time. And even now when I think sometimes of aspects like that, I know it's a silly sentence personally. And I'll use one example. My uh, last, if you will, uh, traditional relationship, and I say that because I wasn't aware of the term polyamory, which is optimal for people who are in the Enlightenment Soul Age group because we unconditionally love our loved ones. We don't have a relationship hierarchy. We don't do titles because you're not our possession and we only want compersion. We only want the happiness of our loved ones. So we don't care about sharing our loved ones. We know that communication is what builds intimacy and the intimacy obviously is built only if you're sharing your heart. If you're not, then no, that's uh, not communication. It's like weather talk. And that happens a lot. Most people that I've met, I know them with their adoptive child because, you know, as a teenager, I noticed that every person I ever met didn't have an ego. Apparently, all of them were egoless and selfless. And I'm like, wait a minute, excuse me. I think we all are a bit, we can all be, quote unquote, that asshole that doesn't meet the friend's expectation. Like I was not thinking, oh, I'm so special. In fact, here's where I've always said, I'm not good or bad, I'm a person. I don't know why people keep using these words. What's good or bad? So the whole thing about wasting time. This person who I was with for four years, once they found someone else, even though I don't think they'll ever acknowledge it that way, I'll never forget. I'll never forget how it happened because here's where when you're, when you're a person who's connected with this consciousness field, you know things before you even know them. There's only one thing I didn't know in my life, one. And I can say it without a shadow of a doubt that it was in the way that I didn't know about it. it makes sense once I understood. Other than that, other things, they come in subtly, if you will. So it might, might not know everything, but I'll know a hint of it or two. Eventually, the message becomes clear, like with who my future husband is, for example. That's hilarious. I, that one, I was like, wow. you know. So my family teases because they're like, Maria, it's, it's a dream state. I'm like, yes, but I know, <laughs> I have no shadow of a doubt that it is that, even though, of course, you can't prove it. But long story short. The only time I didn't know, and it was just for a brief fraction of a second, if you will. No, it wasn't a brief fraction. It made sense for many, many reasons, and many reasons we don't have to get into. And it has nothing to do, by the way, with uh, being catalyzed into the ascension world, because some of us, we, we, we all ascend. Some of us just have a relationship, again, with consciousness. I called it a good gut feeling. Long story short, if you're a person who is always attuning to your loved ones, not because of fear, not because your oats, the other and the self is like, oh, shall I engage? Shall I not? Let me strategic. No. And I know some people, they will feel a little bit like, oh, because they actually do this type of thing. And I will say this, grow your confidence, if you will, so that you may become very loose in this part of how you can pick up on things without having to feel like you need to get rigid in your body. The part is that um, the people who use their mind strategically, so they're using their neocortex without trusting in their own intuition. This is another video that we watch and I talked to you about it. It shows that they're not as um, effective 
the people who naturally do what's quote-unquote right is how the guy puts it, but it's not about that. It's that some people have a relationship with their body and their mind and humanity that says, I don't need to disengage from social engagement if you don't have a weapon in your hand, and it'll be clear if you have one, as well as it'll be clear if you're coming after me. Before that even happens, I will have enough time to negotiate my way out of this because if you're a human, you know how to handle emotions. This is the attuned person. The person who's at ease in their body is a person who's also not doing please appease. So they're not pretending to like you, to flaunt you, and then all of a sudden something comes out where you're like, oh wow, you're completely 360 opposite. Okay, so these are all aspects that the individual who's not aware of themselves won't notice, but the Enlightenment Soul Aging person will. Since I was a kid, people just lie. They lie through their teeth. But what I now know is, no, they're not lying. They're unconscious because their implicit memory is something they don't tend to. Their emotions to them are stupid. Meaning, oh, I'm not going to work with my getting angry. It's not making my blinders go closed. No, no. It's allowing me to be just as strong as I was yesterday. No, it's actually not allowing your mind to be strong. It's just allowing your body to stay in your reptilian autonomous nervous system, which is going to limit your health, is going to limit your actual ability to be compassionate. It's going to limit everything in your life, which is where the Sadhguru quotes, they come into the mix, but nobody's going to know what he's talking about necessarily. I mean, his spirituality people, they follow him like a teeth because of them, you know, being his devotees, but I'm saying a human being will not necessarily know what he's talking about. So when he says limited perception, it's because people are looking outside with a view of, please help me to feel safe inside my body. And here's where I personally see the beauty in the fragments and the rainbows. And I see the spontaneity of those who will move into the expanded consciousness. And what I mean by this is those of us who are connected to life, we understand free will. I knew it as a child with God. And as a child and a teenager, when I began seeing people just being in this suffering all on their own and then creating excuses for why they could be mean to each other, my family, and this is where my twin sister and I are on this page of being blank slates when it comes to people doing shit. We, we, we come down, as they say, from the moon. But no, it's not that. It's we're just not going to assume we know what you're doing. Consciously, we've chosen whatever it is. It's not from some planet. We just chose equally to not bother with trying to figure you out. You want to be an asshole, be an asshole. It's not going to change our fucking life. Because when you're being an asshole, we're just kind of like, uh-huh, okay, interesting, very interesting. There is no evil. I know some people love to find that as that excuse. There is a feeling that is leading a person to be nasty, and it's called they didn't get enough hugs in their life, and their household was like shit probably, or something like that. Something happened where they created a shit-ass story, and now they're just treating people like, like assholes. And, you know, this is the part. Why should we bother trying to breathe in your brain? We, we can clearly see if you're going to be a jerk or not. And, again, this is not going to change our life. It's changing your life, not our life. The part about being able to be neutral is easy for the people who recognize that the importance is what stems from within you. And really, the other part is true compassion and true humanity is knowing that people can have moments of where they're upset, but this isn't even all of it. So let me move into intelligence. 
the charged states of you are from your childhood growing up. The two-year-old, five-year-old people know this stuff and then they don't tend to their own when they get in their temperament. They want to keep proving they're right and they want to keep on thinking that that's the way to do it because they got these other leaders that look like assholes, by the way, who are all rigid doing the same thing. So they got their people leading like examples. And by the way, these are figures that those people are looking at like children without being aware of it. So the limited perception, I want to be like that woman. I want to be like that man. I want to be like that other person over there, the non-gender. So people look to people, the ones who are not their own agents, if, excuse me. So people who are not in their enlightenment soul age group, they look to other people to tell them what they want to look like and they're not aware of it because their child self is leading the way and is looking for that perfect parent and they found it in their group okay so we're segueing into different topics none of this is by the way good or bad everybody chooses the life they want to live but i can tell you when i'm meeting someone i can tell where they could achieve what they can achieve and then i can tell you where they stop which i won't do by the way because it's completely um what's the word not necessary i won't even tell them if i ever tell anyone it's me talking to my loved ones in a safe environment where we're just chit-chatting about differences and i'm expressing to them how one could grow or not grow because you know we're just having a conversation but the part of teenage land and people not be being their own selves I just realized that they were all afraid either of rejection or they excused themselves for being spiteful and this retaliation of let me hurt you like you hurt me, it's all made up in their minds. Or even if it's not made up, they still choose to treat another person in the way that they got treated, you know. So here's where, uh, let me go and tell a couple of stories. Okay, one, apologizing, it's not about only this I'm sorry it's a conversation people will talk to each other and it naturally takes place when people want to stay in each other's lives okay I've had this happen many times where it's like ah, no need to apologize it's cool it's good but there's also in and out behavior so when people can't make up their minds that's where things get really interesting and I have one person that like right now they're doing this in and out, in and out, and they are not in their well-being. And they're too focused, though, on the other and on thinking they can be basically a savior, if you will, even though they're, st they're still tending to themselves, but they are focusing on what's wrong with the person, okay? So they choose to engage in what seems to be a karmic relationship if i need to use words however there is the potential for expansion the aspect of expansion is limited because the person isn't recognizing where they can be working to move beyond their own unresolved childhood trauma history okay and and this is the best example i can give because when people do it in partnerships it's actually that's the relationship soul age group they do have a twin flame for example so they even recognize that this twin flame with this soulmate and uh, again this triangle 
is something that can expand them, but they're still busy in their suffering without leaning into it like a human being. And that would be where, wait a minute, let me go and look at what I am experiencing because this is also um, playing out in their parental relationships, which is exactly where your shame cycle begins from for those who have that. I'm just going to say it, and it always will be that. If you have a shame cycle and you are still struggling with waking up every day and loving life, it's not because you cannot move out of that temporal junction. It's because you're not leaning into this human suffering, which isn't a must. I don't know human suffering. I have an identical twin. I'll have to ask her if she thinks she has human suffering, but I'm pretty sure she's going to say no. But I can tell you we have very different ways of seeing and experiencing life. So when I see certain aspects from my uh, lovely twin, there are societal pressures that they, they will have looked into and are still emotionally looking at that I don't have. And I, and I insistently, when I can, give my, my food for thought because it's my twin and just it's, we, we care about each other. So uh, whenever we're around each other more than not, I get to give her the information on all the body stuff that I'm learning. And what I'm saying is the aspect of societal pressure is very clear to me and mine uh, for, for her, I don't know what her ideas are, but I, I actually don't have society pressure. And I could say why that is, but I won't. I'll just say that these two different people who can share the way the mind works. The differences come from our temperament. They come from that nervous system. And the story of me as a three-year-old is what I'll use because for me as a three-year-old, telling my mom not to spank me and then making my suitcase is the indication of the temperament of a child. My three-year-old twin goes and hugs my mother and reassures her she will never leave her and that she loves her. So that three-year-old basically went to the adult person. Now, there's two ways this could have been or more, and it's to reassure that they're loved, to be kind to the human being and, and make sure their feelings aren't hurt right here, right? So, oh, that, that child is being mean to, to that person. Let me go and comfort that big. Or it could be they're going to save me, right? But I think it's more of um, let me go and make, my, make this human being feel loved because of knowing my twin sister. It's more along the lines of, yeah, let me soothe them because this person's being mean now and hurting their feelings, and I'm going to go and, and make the feelings better. Okay, those are temperaments, and those are also an indication, though, because that's the family of origin. So that's the, the, the person that we have to attach to at three years old. So in your first year of life, your right brain hemisphere is what develops. That's where there's the, the corpus callosum that connects your left and right mode. And we have the lovely uh, hippocampus in our limbic system, if I'm not mistaken. That's our social engagement, the amygdala. Okay, so all of these are very important because a person who doesn't have a secure attachment relationship doesn't build in this uh, specific way. They will have an under, a compromised, a compromised and underdeveloped right brain is what I was going to say because that's how Sue Martin presents it, basically a non-integrated brain. So the corpus callosum is, is uh, compromised in its growth. 
amygdala, hippocampus, prefrontal cortex, because those circuitries don't get to get put into practice. And essentially, the person also is used to using their reptilian autonomous nervous system, fight, flight, freeze, collapse, submit, please appease, attach, cry, okay? So safety behaviors engage, and their brainstem rules their life, if you will, because they're not tending to their emotional reactivity, but they're also unaware that their non-integrated brain moves into rigidity and then chaos because there's not a streamlined communication. When those emotions that are implicit come up, the person's going to have self-soothing mechanisms. And I watched this comedian do this whole skit on how he got out of drugs thanks to people, inter an intervention. And I'm not sure if it's true or not about the drinking. I think he was teasing, but there are people that I've met, adults, who do tell me that they started drinking at the age of six or eight. And I'm thinking of one person who actually, as, as an adult, they lead a life, but they are not uh, an adult who does not have this, uh, what is a shame cycle, because the self-soothing equals you're not actually trying to get into a different pattern. They don't know about Gabor Mate, and even if they knew about Gabor Mate, they probably would brush it off because they like their lifestyle. They like basically this individual, for example, in their first meetings with people, they will sleep with them. And there's no judgment here. It's an example of the sex being compulsive, drinking being compulsive. If you tell me, and this is where, again, family story, not a very great household. No, one of abuse and neglect. And this is where their lifestyle is not about promiscuity and it isn't about preference. You know, when, when I read like the polysecure and they're talking about uh, this aspect of some people preferring sexually speaking, I think they were talking about B, yes. So different sexual styles, kinkier or into BDSM, which I don't know what it stands for, but I have a gist of it or divergent sex drives, or anatomical incompatibility. So she's talking, this is why some people choose polyamory. And while she's basically stating, it's sad that uh, there's still a lot of um, shame in this uh, sex-negative culture that shames basic needs, desires, and sexuality. Personally, I have a different opinion about this because of knowing how the nervous system shuts down because of knowing how people who have unresolved trauma, their brain and their nervous system is engaged to move from sympathetic, so hyperarousal, fight flight, to a freeze response because they didn't know any other, and, and how this one psychologist explains how the 11, 12-year-old, which is the year of their flight, remember we have these different charge states, they stay in charge states, they go, they uncharge naturally speaking, but when people aren't participating consciously to them, growing up, which is what most people don't do, because again, emotions are stupid. They don't think that they can actually tap into their implicit memory. They're ignoring what they're doing from the chart. Like when you're, okay, I'm going to use this. Spontaneity, pureness. You know what pure love is? You know what pure bliss is? Here's what safety in your body is. It's, it's a perfect day with a perfect someone a perfect group. It's when you can be who you are, where you know, and some of you might not know this feeling. This is the Satori feeling. It's very straightforward for me to explain. 
it's heaven in your body because you are in what will be a safe space forever and ever and ever and it's always full of laughter and it's always full of joy and it's always full of matching minds that read each other hearts that read each other this is this the 100 percent attunement is something that is available and some people will know of this and it's the most amazing thing that you could ever actually experience and you know love is only engaged when you are in this ventral vagus nervous system and for the people who are in the enlightenment soul age group we can be in this state again and again and again and move into it more and more and more and just feel it in our body because that's what your body and mind can do and when you can feel it with another this means that you could sit in stillness with them in silence forever and just feel blissful and it's not because of believing in anything so here's the saddest part is where people have perfection and then they drop it like a hat and they run from it and they want to make up excuses and you know it's just very sad even for for me when i think of the spirituality soul age group i think it's sad but then again i'm not um i'm not enriched by life because of a belief system I'm enriched by it because it's life. I love life. I love being, I understand the void. I understand that I won't remember being me. I was a kid when I, when I started this journey, I still don't like it. You ask me, one of my greatest gifts was given to me in a way that other people would consider it not. And the minute it happened, it was the minute that from being upset, I was like, fuck, I got a gift. Thank goodness. Oh my God, this is awesome. I literally went from, I was looking out my window and I was very sad and I went from being sad to being like, wait, yes, I get to skip this whole thing. This is really great. I love this. This is going to be awesome because I already know that this would have been horrible if it had stayed in another way. This is how people who are connected to consciousness will make sense of anything, which is why we don't know suffering. You can better bet that day could have been somebody who I see them all over the place. Oh my gosh, they're still. So here's where one person, what they went to tell me, and this was fascinating because, you know, here's how shame, again, will blind people. And this is just because people aren't looking at their actual suffering. They're not leaning into it. And then the, the problem is because they don't know how to activate their own ventral vagal state, meaning let me be in a state of love and ease right now and let me look with objectivity at my emotions of course i'm upset of course i'm angry so when you name the emotion it actually helps you to move your blood to your prefrontal cortex thing is people sit in their temporal junction and they create stories in that suffering so they don't lean into it by saying okay i'm feeling the emotion also when people say lean into it doesn't mean you need to sit in it this is the other leaning into it means you can feel it in your body you allow yourself to name it you move out of it so it's not you sitting in the wallow of sorrow. It's taking a dive into understanding that the emotion will arise. And you allow it to arise in its natural form, whatever it is. It wants to be anger. You allow it to be there. You don't judge it. So this is the, the difference is people suppress it without even knowing it. So before I move forward, I want to finish and close the loop on this, this uh, from the Jessica Fern book. So she says, uh, unfortunate symptomatic, unfortunate, the symptomatic expression of our sex negative culture shames 
basic human needs, desires, and sexuality, because she's saying some people choose polyamory just for the sex part about it, and that they don't say that it's for that, okay? I personally will say a couple of things. The polyamory is something that is going to be used with those who have shame cycles that are not out of them yet in a way to find themselves, as long as people keep on thinking that humanity must suffer versus recognizing that this nervous system information gives us, it gives us information to everything. So the analysis for me is this, with having learned how our nervous system works. Alan <coughs> Shaw is the one that I was watching when he talks about kids cutting themselves. And he explains why this puts our nervous system back online. The 11, 12-year-old, that freeze, no, the flight, excuse me, the flight response when Sue Martin teaches this to me, this is in my trauma educational certificate class with Albert Wong, she explains the flight is where you feel helpless and hopeless. This is your dorsal vagal. So it is a very specific energy. If any of you can go back to your 11, 12, I can, and I definitely can remember that. And I'm a person who's always chosen love, so I didn't sit in that, but I can remember the energy of that time. And that moment of helpless, hopeless is because you are still a child moving into your teenage years, but you're not that just yet. And there's just this way of you don't matter, nobody matters, nothing matters kind of thing. And so here's where this Alan Shaw, I think is his name. I forget if I'm pronouncing it right or wrong, but he says the cutting is how you activate from dorsal vagal. The nervous system wants to come back online. So people can then move into fight flight, and that's 14, 15, 16, and the fight, excuse me, not the flight, the flight was 11, 12. The fight, they, the teenager, will cut out of spite. This is the retaliation of the adaptive child. So once the woe me isn't working and nobody's coming to my rescue, now that you have ignored me, adults who I don't trust, this is the fight person, so the teenagers, which I saw, all these teenagers, adults, they're not. So whether it's ignoring them or thinking they don't know shit, you still become this pissy teenager plus your hormones and whatnot. Oh, and FYI, that lovely brain goes through a um, pruning process. And so lo and behold, the teenager starts looking to the peers as their attachment figures, but with a whole array of insecure emotions that they're not actually tending to and that are based in their brainstem pretty much until they move into their prefrontal cortex and start looking at that brainstem stuff and just everything that comes up. Oh, not with the shame cycle, which you don't see teenagers doing. I didn't see them doing it. I saw them doing the, oh, why me? Oh, what an asshole. Oh, nobody stands for me. And now I see adults doing the same thing. And basically, instead of being able to repair their relationships, they're doing this little dance of, I'm an adult while they're being an adaptive child. I will prove I'm right. So here's how you know when a person's not their adult. When they're talking about a relationship that they want to try and leave, they're not leaving it, um, they're actually also twisting things in a way as if they're the light and others are darkness. And that's all the 4D community and all the other relationships, soul age groups also that don't move into a complete love cycle, FYI, meaning we're all humans, we all make mistakes, we all fuck up, we all can have unresolved trauma, we all can go to a very great therapist together, or we could just have authentic, vulnerable conversations. Because, you know, that is the option for the actual grown-ups, which is the most amazing. So when people can talk about their emotions, I have to think about that one, because 
when I look at people, so let me finish to tie up some loose ends. And uh, where was I going? I was going with Alan. Alan speaks about the cutting of these kids. And I remember when we learned about cutting in my middle school, and the day after this person taught us about what it means and how a couple of girls came in having done it. I'm thinking, did they not hear that that's not what you're supposed to do? You know, and then I'm like, huh, it gave them ideas instead of educating them. This is interesting. So is it good to educate us or not? Like, which way does this go, right? So (laughs) it's so sad to see things. I don't even know. Sad for a person who appreciates life, excuse me. And, and I mean this with all the love in my heart because I see people who become adults, again, they're completely, apparently unaware that they're hurting themselves. It's one thing if you have moderation in these little things that take place in life, but most people don't have moderation because they're actually not aware of themselves in the sense of caring about who... If you cannot lean into your human suffering, as this Pilar Jennings mentions, with tenderness, most people don't know how to be tender with themselves because the shame cycle will suppress it because there will be this societal pressure. You'll be looking outside of you to get the thumbs up. This is what I'm talking about. Being seen, sued, being safe, the attachment system of you looks outside to attach. So until you become aware and then independent of it, and then you can also say, fuck you, but not in a way of let me spite you as a teenager and you don't withdraw. No, you say, fuck you, I'm a differentiated self, you're yourself, we can exchange it. Oh, by the way, whatever you say isn't going to offend my ego because you're you and I'm me and you don't need to be offending me because that word doesn't mean anything. It only means something to people who have not moved out of their human suffering because they haven't moved out of their shame cycle because they haven't realized that when they wake up, they're breathing, thinking, I must be, do, or fulfill something. And that pressure right there is unconscious of your child you that if you don't grow it up you're never going to connect to your higher self with the pure consciousness the pure bliss of love and the pure perfection that you can be with your imperfections what feelings we have the enlightenment soul age group when we feel people's shame and their suffering and all of it is that is what they're feeling what i recognize more and more and more is that i personally as someone who does have clears, and I'm aware of my loved ones, and I'm aware of all, and when I'm connecting to people, then there's this bond that is created. I got used to my lovely uh, love cycle because of my oversoul not knowing how to handle their own emotions like a grown-up. I mean, I remember the years, and the years not only of the collective, but also of my oversoul. And, and it became, now I'm just, you know, it's a broken record is what it is. So I, I can completely ignore my broken record, immediate oversoul and extended. I say this not with any joy in my mouth, by the way, because actually I find it quite um, ridiculous. But I understand it from the trauma experts. So let me go back to this part of what Jessica's saying, I understand what she's saying, but I have a different opinion on this because of knowing how unresolved trauma works with people that I've seen, especially the ones who will say, oh, no, no, you have to have sex the first night because that's what's going to tell you all. And then I'm thinking of Stephen Porges, 
who explains how people get mixed up with thinking what is visceral and really a toxic type of doing relationship because all of these people they've studied the body so they're knowing that there's an unresolved trauma there there's fear there's fight there's there there are mo modalities that you are using your reptilian autonomous nervous system which is not the enlightened uh version of you not because it's a reptile not because it's evil not because it's demonic no because you're not actively working to engage with your actual ventral vagal system and you're coming at life from a pattern that is compulsive that is stemming from your unresolved trauma that is not funny and it's definitely challenging if a person were to lean into it which is why I understand that if a person finds solace, so that, like I'm thinking of this beautiful woman, beautiful, I love them. As soon as I saw them, I'm like, we're, we're soulmates here. I can't wait to see them again. And they live a life that they consider healthy and that they consider joyous. I know that they live a life that has allowed them to make do with their unresolved trauma. And I hope and pray that they can maintain a level of physical health. Everything else is really something that uh, they consistently say is fine. So, you know, it is what it is. They, they look healthy on the outside. They're like fucking amazingly. If I were a male who, you know, because they like men and if I were male, they'd definitely be on my book of, wow, I want to hang out with you. Like that's how pretty and her energy is just everywhere. So I'm just saying like you can tell when somebody has uh, type of energy the part that is more realistic is like okay if you drink like this for all these years i'm i hope your liver is going to be okay once you get to you know that you don't get cirrhosis to the liver and and here's where being realistic like with cigarettes i knew when i was smoking i want to get down to a certain amount because it's not good for my lungs you know it's not good for so we know how to keep things balanced if you're actually a person who stays grounded in reality which means we all will have learned basics of how to treat our bodies you don't need to be completely exiled in the middle of nowhere vegan and all these extremists for example so as we close out let me finish here uh, the part where she says there are people who generally need and want sexual diversity and it is not because they are sexually deviant avoidantly attached addicted to sex or non-committal there are people who embrace sexuality and diverse desires and expressions that it may encompass and require. So people have this idea. I also know of another book that I will read at some point that I got where they express this too. However, for me, I have questions because what I will say is something like BDMS means that you need to activate your nervous system, that you have, in, you have brought into your life something that is a pattern like this woman that is basically making up for the suffering that you hold still in your body. And here's where that lower and higher toroidal field come into the mix. And I'm trying to give you all the description in the absence of there being a source or spirit or creatorship because this is not what we're talking about. Physics can explain to you, even humans and us in these particles or whatnot, and in these Newtonian bodies, they have a way to tell us about the nervous system, Buddhist psychology, what I was reading to you before from the reptilian autonomous nervous system, that's from the Buddhist psychologist guy, Joe Lizio, yes, Dr. Joe Loizzo, so 
Buddhism works to enlighten you because it works through these knots and yada, 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 which connect to your nervous system. So they, the yogic sciences are called yogic sciences now because the sciences have an ability to see what yoga does and their portfolio of ventral vagus nervous system exercises. Breathing allows you to do mindfulness. Then you being able to work with compassion allows you to work with your own uh, limbic system, so your own unresolved trauma if you want to and then the somatic part which is embodied that allows you to work with your core brain stem and the implicit memory so back to this all of this if you are a restorative embodied self you won't want to cut anything you won't want anyone to slap you beat you punch you that's beyond ridiculous meaning it ain't about i i get it people again the this is where this is purely not in any way, shape, or form meant to be like, oh, no, you can't. No, I understand what these individuals who are in the spectrum of having the idea that that is a diversity. Everything I've learned about the human body and the brain tells me that's not human diversity. That's an infant who grew up with specifics, and I don't mean that they have to be an avoidant attached. No, they can be a secure attachment person. I'm talking about their brain and their nervous system. And that it found a way to create safety. So, of course, it's going to be something they want and desire. It's not a restorative embodied self. It's not an integrated mind. It's a way that there's finding how to fit in your group and feel okay with it. And again, so this might never change. It doesn't have to. None of us are here to tell other states of consciousness what type of life to live. But you better bet that to me when uh, we're talking about wiring I understand from the somatic experts that every body is born in a restorative embodied self. And before that break happens, this is where you feel this oneness. The oneness is pure love, which means not let me cut you, let me beat you, let me be aggressive with, with you. That's totally disrespectful to a body. Not to mention it inflicts pain. Physical pain is not something enjoyable to a body that is a restorative embodied self because pain means that you're cutting me which means you're threatening my life it's very basic so again i i do understand that people have other ideas and this was a side note to the entire topic because we're here to talk about many things not just you know the uh, 5d or just the relationships and this one was important to know for me because i feel that there's a need for someone who presents other angles versus those who only present promiscuity or sexual preference, you know, all of this, get it totally. But where are the educators who are learning about, hey, restorative embodied self, that's what you want to achieve, that's what your body's looking to achieve, and this is a middle ground that can be talked about. You want to say it's a preference, but let me explain to you what happens to your body as an infant when you don't have secure attachment when you don't have uh, the skills to repair rupture because you didn't get that. So anytime there's a disagreement, you freak out in your body and a lot of other things happen. When people don't realize that their unresolved trauma, their emotions are leading them, they will do things like this. I'm going to close with the story. Um, so because of 
the consultation that you gave and yada, 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 it, it manifested immediately and all of the things that I already knew, you confirmed, and then there's these new things that take, took place. Like This was fascinating. I gave a consultation. The minute that the person walked out the door is the minute all of what I read through my consultation came to be. I was like, whoa. And this is true where manifestation was said to speed up in 5D. So the minute that I had been not even 15 minutes away from me, that everything again came the part about what the consultation specified was to focus on their actual maturation so moving out of of their own human suffering in regard to things that they will not have so remember how daniel siegel talks about forgiveness is you giving up all hope of there being any change to the past to give up all hope it's a moment where you actually bring out the, the depth of sadness of something that has been ripped away from you, basically. Like, no reason. In fact, there will never be, if any of you move into enlightenment, there will not be any fucking reason for any of this because we all have free will. Let me just let you in on a little secret. Yeah, so no matter what people want to talk about, when they again, this is why the perfect timing thing, I just would punch all of them in the face because I'm like, dude, you, you're still begging to some entity that doesn't exist for something. And this is me, a person who grew up with the entity. I, I never would have begged because it was made clear that you participate with your free will. So when something's pulled and even, you know, in, in ways you just will never think of it, Mm, there, there is no going back because as it's happening or as it takes place the person who's awakened to their body will know everything and it will not be torture because thank goodness we have a relationship this is a love cycle people with our emotions so oh we'll lean into it oh we'll lean into it very easily because it's taken over and if you don't lean into it you're not going to maintain what is actual the most important thing of life the mundane by the way because we all will have lives to live we keep moving forward with smiles and hearts that love, not pretend smiles. So instead, when people think they're a light, lighting up the world, lo and behold, there's that, oh, I'm anointed. They don't think it, they don't say it, but this is the idea. That's a shame cycle, pure straightforward. So long story short, leaving thinking they got the message, basically stating they got the message. What do they do? They start to create connections with all the third-party people involved in these situations so that they can basically control the situation. And they even are proud about making a connection that is nowhere near involved with them, but involved with the other person. And here's where karma lies. And why karma? It's not good or bad. Here's likes and dislikes. Here's the implicit memory being completely ignored. Here's the family of origin and what I experienced and me repeating the cycle being completely ignored by a human being who doesn't think they're ignoring anything because they're light and the others are darkness and they're bringing light to them. That's your 4D person. 3D just talks about it in a different way. Uh, other soul age groups. We will probably continue uh, with another topic on this note for relationships because Honestly, what I saw was something that I, I was like, okay, uh, adaptive child trying to prove you're right, trying to control your partner, definitely in this uh, mix of I'm not going to withdraw when I know I should because I just contemplated needing to get my emotions 
into a space of lightness when you have blinders on it isn't because you don't know what you're doing it's because you actually think about other people here's where that oops others in the self but you're thinking of other people with your own patterns of suffering from your own household from your own you and you're not realizing it because instead of saying wait I'm an independent human being. They're an independent human being. They have a right to be happy and live their life however they may want to, whether they are not the complete restorative embodied self or integrated mind. Here, I'm going to use that. Like the one woman who I love her to death. And we shared, we talked a lot. And when I presented to them some information on somatics, they're like, no, no, but I'm good with this. I do not judge this person, nor do I judge any person, because they have a right to live the life they want. I'm not the law, and the law doesn't even rule us on those matters, and hopefully they won't, because here's where, where's your free will? If you're educated, you get to choose, and if you choose, so there's always a way to move into presenting information that's helpful, but also allowing independence for those of us who are in the Enlightenment Soul Age Group. We do this easily, because that's what is to do. It's not to say we don't care we'll present what's important but the choices of lifestyle and all these other things are personal so looking forward to hearing your thoughts and experiences calling in or leave a message have a great day